CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square on this cloudy Friday evening. The guys here getting ready behind me, but in the meantime, here's what else is coming up on the show. Oil is surging this year, and the chartmaster says it's about to bubble even higher. He'll break it down. Plus, are you ready for more video game earnings? Well, Mike Coe is, and he says there's one name that's about to level up. He'll tell us what that is. And Dan Nathan. He thinks Disney stock is about to wake up from its dream rally. He's got the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we start right there with Disney. The stock has been on a magical run. Check this out. Shares are up more than 20% in the past month alone. As a media giant unveiled its streaming plus service and broke records with its multi-billion dollar premiere of Avengers Endgame. And now the company is getting ready to report earnings next week. The options market implying a move of 4% in either direction. So let's get in the money. And Dan is looking at Disney. Yeah, so, you know, like you said, Mel, they report next week. I think this is going to be really interesting. I cannot remember the last time that we've seen a mega cap stock like this gap the way it did, not basically on a, a, an earnings event, but really on something that was structural to their business that everyone saw coming. And it was really about this over-the-top um, announcement from that investor day that they had um, on April 11th. I mean, it caught a lot of people off guard. Look at the chart on a one-year basis. I'll let Carter speak to it. Let me just tell you what this layman's eyes sees. We see this consolidation that had happened most of this year and an utter explosion. But you back it out to five years when the S&P has been going up, what, skipping up about 15% on average per year. And you see also this massive consolidation and just a massive, massive breakout above that 120 level. I think it's going to take a major market sell-off to have that stock down there before this company has the opportunity to show their goods when they roll out this product at the end of the year. So listen, if you miss this move, I don't think you want to go out and buy it in front of earnings because I think a lot of the reasons why you are going to, you know, why you want to own this stock are going to take some time to materialize into Q3 and Q4. Um, but the trade could set up as a way to sell some near-term options and buy some longer-dated calls. So financing it, we like to call that a call calendar. You want to sell the short-dated in May that are elevated into the earnings. So today, when the stock was trading about $134, you could buy the May-September 140 call calendar, paying four and a quarter for that, selling one of the May 140 calls at a dollar, buying one of the September 140 calls for 525. That costs you four and a quarter. That is your max risk. What you want to have happen here is the stock to continue to consolidate below 140 between now and May expiration here, and then you end up owning that out of the money 140 September call for four and a quarter. At that point, you may want to turn it into a calendar again. You may want to turn it into a vertical. But the most important point is the likelihood of this stock gapping again to me, especially above those highs that are a little bit above 140 in the next week or two, are not very likely. Yeah, I like several things about this trade. First of all, I like the fact you chose a strike that's slightly out of the money. You're, you're sort of fading it to the upside, if you will. You know, if you take a 
look at the stock on a fundamental basis, it's trading a little over 20 times forward earnings. These are levels actually in terms of valuation that it hasn't really had ever since that 2015 earnings disappointment in August when we saw that sharp gap down. But this is a stock that obviously I think everybody is familiar with the fact they've got a lot of exciting things going on. Fundamentally, it has performed very well over the course of the last few years. But I agree with you. I mean, why it would gap up right now when you still need to sort of have a wait and see approach about these things coming out, I think it makes a lot of sense to put on a trade like this. I mean, the odds of gapping up again after the big re-rating they just have are zero. Uh, you can never have a zero odds. Uh, I would say this, that the, the setup, the re-rating is classic. A conventional buy juncture, if you think about it, a convention generally agreed upon is a stock at well-defined tops at a common level, the very chart that uh, Dan had there. 120 was in play for four years and then a classic breakout. Uh, at this point, it's been re-rated to quote, where it belongs, and the odds are that it backs and fills for a long time, neither getting much better nor giving back any of the ground that it achieved on the Netflix it, news. And, and because this is an option show, you know, another trade that you could consider, if you're the sort of person who said, you know, if that stock got back to 120 over the course of the summer, that's the level where I want to buy it. Well, you could sell the downside put. You could sell maybe the July or the September 120 put. You'd probably get two, three, four dollars depending upon what expiry it is out there. And you're basically setting up to own it if it got down there, but really below that strike, less the premium. So to me, there's a lot of ways you can play that. I think you want to lean on that 120 level if you're looking to do it from a put sales uh, perspective. All right. From Disney to drilling, oil taking a hit this week after its run above 65 bucks a barrel, a surge in U.S. oil inventory numbers slamming both the commodity and the energy stocks. And crude is now down nearly 7% from its April highs. The chart master, though, says there's a rebound brewing. So, Carter, why don't you head over to the plasma, break it down for us. Sure. So, obviously, this is not about energy stocks. Energy stocks are sort of a dead area of the market. I don't see there's uh, anything but misery. The commodity, I think you've got to sell if it's viable. So crude oil, no drawings. Uh, we know, of course, a fairly well-defined head and shoulders bottom, and then it all took off. Let's look at this takeoff and put it in the context of where 43% and 57%. It just shows when you lose money, it takes a lot more to get back. But the setup about the rebound is what's important. Watch this. We've come back to an inherently difficult level, right? There are a lot of dead bodies here, overhead supply. That's a, a very important concept. And it is stopped at that juncture. But where it's pulled back here is very orderly. This little dip is in line with what's happened several times along the way from the bottom. In fact, if I were to put in some percentages here, you can see this, right? So this is uh, minus 6%. This is minus 8, minus 6, minus 8. It's all fairly orderly. Uh, and a natural kind of thing to have givebacks on the way up. And the issue is, do you buy this most recent dip? I think that's what you're wanting to do here. Here is the line. And my bet is, right, that we're going to respond, respond, respond to that line yet again. So normal to back and fill after having back to where overhead supply is. We're dealing with the overhead supply. And I think you get your next uh, rebound here. I want to be long. The trade is USO. This is the ETF that does it, and uh, making the bet again that these minor sell-offs all are going to give way, and they have in the past, to recovery moves. So the sequence would call for a higher trade here, long USO. 
All right. So, Mike, what's your trade? Yeah. So you you mentioned the fact that we did see that inventory build. It was just shy of 10 million barrels week on week that we saw. That does only take us to about the five-year average inventory at this point of the year, though. And obviously, we have a very strong economy. We could potentially see some increased demand. So kind of as the charts are indicating, I, I feel like this is kind of a, a pick em. You know, it could go either way right here, which is the reason I wouldn't be inclined to do something like sell puts or sell any kind of downside. I think we're going to play that it is actually going to make that move a little bit higher. One quick point I would make, USO represents WTI. And WTI is a little bit different fundamentally than Brent is. Brent right now, we often take a look, not at these types of charts, but actually at the term structure. Right now, there's almost a little bit of contango, meaning that the very front month oil prices in WTI are a little bit lower. That's not true in Brent, which is a little bit more bullish for Brent. So I think what we want to do here a way to take a bullish bet without risking too much. I was looking out to July, 13 and a half calls. Those were trading about 42 cents when I was looking at this earlier. The idea here is that you're not risking a great deal. I mean, obviously as a percentage of the underlying, it might seem like a lot, 40 cents versus 13 bucks or so, but consider how much this thing can move. Where we have come from when we take a look at the highs over the course of the last year and the lows, this is gonna basically be a trend trade. If it ends up working in our favor, you can have an opportunity either to roll this up and out or spread or do things like that. You know, it's interesting. You know, Mike just said that, you know, he's looking to kind of risk a little, make a lot. Isn't that, wasn't that the tagline of the show or something Risk like less, that? make more. Oh, yeah. Um, it's actually, you know, 2.5% of the stock price for a stock that like, literally just got back to your line. I mean, listen, it could go either way, right, Carter? It did break that uptrend that it's been. It looks like a lot of the other stuff is kind of positive. The dollar just pulled back mm -hmm. a little, that sort of thing. I think the most important thing about this trade is that he's risking 42 cents. The break-even is up at 13.92. The stock or the ETF was trading there, what, two weeks ago. So you could have this thing right back at that level, and I think it's a really good risk-reward setup in what has been a very volatile sort of um, risk asset in, in a low-volume sort of or low-volatility market of late. That's right. I mean, so we hit a high of, what, 66 50 on WTI, closed today at 61.86, playing for a small bounce. Yeah. Make some money. Based on the chart of, uh, of oil, though, and USO, Carter, can you extrapolate that that's going to be the move in energy stocks? Well, remember, there are great periods of time where they're highly correlated and periods of time where they have nothing to do with one another. Right? And energy stocks have not kept up with the commodity, right? They have lagged. They've lagged the market. And it's, it's not so much as it relates to oil, although ultimately it is. It's right now, it's just not of interest to the investment community. Right? If you're running a growth portfolio and you're tied to a benchmark, energy is 1% and 2% of your portfolio bench, which means you don't spend any time on it. It's just it's lost its import in the general construct of many portfolios. And is that why you chose oil versus an XLE trade? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I already, I mean, personally, I have some exposure to some of the energy stocks. I had favored oil service index. My logic there had been that there's a lot of activity in the Permian. North American companies obviously have a lot of things potentially as a, as a tailwind, but that hasn't really played out in the equity. There's obviously some real concerns right there. I think if you're trying to make a directional bet in oil, you keep it simple. You just focus on something like USO, or if you're trading the futures, trade those. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Mike reads it to his kids every night before bed. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. It's been game over for the video game stocks. But Mike Coe says there's one name in the bunch that could get a one-up. He'll break down the trade. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket. Grab your phone and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Gaming stocks getting wrecked with the biggest names still far below their 52-week highs. Activision Blizzard, the worst of the bunch, down 44% after tanking on earnings yesterday. Electronic Arts and Take-Two Interactive, not far behind. But Mike says one name in the group is about to get a power-up. He's over at the plaza with his call to action. Mike. Yeah, so I'm taking a look at Electronic Arts. Now, I want to point out straight away that this is a little bit of a contrarian bet. If we take a look at the last three earnings Electronic Arts, It's essentially been an unmitigated disaster. It's been down three times in a row. And of course, one of the reasons for that is their competition here, which is Fortnite, which is obviously a runaway success. Their competition in the space, Apex Legends and the Star Wars games, really aren't keeping up with that first person uh, types of games at all. But I will point out that as we've seen the stock come in, most of that is actually just a result of an improving valuation because actually the fundamentals, the revenues, and their earnings have continued to grow. And basically what we've seen is a significant valuation contraction going on in electronic arts. And the other thing I would quickly point out too is that whether or not we think they can compete with Fortnite, they do have some pretty interesting products with the Madden football and the NBA 2K. I can say my own kids have a lot of interest in those things, and that obviously persists for as long as there's interest in those sports. Here we can actually take a look at the chart, and we'll let Carter speak to it, but obviously this doesn't look too compelling. However, we have noticed that basically some of this weakness seems to have basically ended up with this sort of sideways tracking action I'm kind of inclined to make the contrarian bet here and not risk a great deal of money by looking at a calendar spread. This thing is implying about an 8.5% move on earnings. And what that tells us is that the short-dated options are quite expensive. And I want to take advantage of that. I'm looking here to sell the May 100 calls for $1.90 and buy the Junes for $3.50. So net-net, I'm spending a relatively small amount of the current stock price to make a modestly bullish bet in the short term. Notice that where the stock was trading today, around 93 bucks or thereabouts, I have some upside uh, if it should have a positive response coming out of earnings. But then I own that slightly longer dated call in case there's some sort of follow through after the earnings results. So I think this is a situation where the fact that a lot of the price decline is a result of that valuation contraction I was talking about is one of the reasons why we might be inclined to make a contrarian bet, despite the fact that we obviously saw some weakness in in their competitors this week and the fact that they've had kind of not a great track record over the course of the last three earnings. Carter, what do you think of the trade? Well, so uh, this is uh, this is high octane stuff, right? You're talking about a stock that on the lows and uh, Christmas was down 51 percent, and then it too rebounded with the market, and then had a quarterly report that was so bad, consensus for a dollar ninety four came in at eighty six cents, the stock plunges, and yet two days later they put out news about this Apex Legend thing, and the stock recoups all the losses, 150 million shares change hands. That's half the float in a six day period, and that kind of action often happens when you've reached sort of a capitulation low, right? So three bad quarters in a row, like what they say next, even if it's bad, it presumptively is somewhat or totally priced into the stock. You know, in those bad quarters, it's not as if what we're seeing is contracting top line and contracting EPS. What we're seeing is slower rates of growth. And at some point, 
the valuation and those lower rates of growth essentially align themselves. I think we might be at that stage now. This is a really good opportunity to talk about. We have two calendars. We talked about one in Disney and we talked about one in a company like EA that ha also has an event, but I think is a lot more controversial at this point. And I'll just make this point. I like doing calendars. I especially like selling short dated options into events like earnings because you're getting, you know, you're basically the odds are working in your favor in that scenario, except for the fact that here's a company that move after it gapped down 13% on earnings, it rallied 30% in a week after it's got a $27 billion market cap. They have $5 billion in cash and it's a washed out, I think a washed out story. So to me, I'm not certain you want to be doing calendars if you want to be so contrarian, depending on your conviction um, because of the way this thing has the potential to move. It is a fair point and the options market is implying a big move. Of course, that's also one of the reasons why I tried to select strikes that are out of the money to the yep. upside, kind of the same yep. way that you did in, in Disney. And the other thing, I think, for everybody who's watching this at home, in names like this, we did a similar trade in CMG to the downside before. When you see these things move, you really have to be very nimble. You know, you may not get a chance to wait until the next options action. If you don't follow us on Twitter, you should, because we probably will provide some kind of an update there. But if that first option rolls off and that second one ends up in the money, consider you know, adjusting your trades aggressively because, as you point out, this is a stock that can move very sharply, very, very quickly. I mean, just think about the words you've heard here. You've heard washed out. You've heard capitulation low. That's, no one wants to talk about it. People think it's a disaster. They want to talk about Florida. Often that's the opportunity, and, and I think there's more potential that it uh, surprises the upside than collapses again. All right, coming up, Lyft shares cruising higher today, but still down 13% since IPO. We will tell you how to play the name into earnings next week. Plus, got a question for the traders? Of course you do. Shoot us over a tweet, uh, options action. You may be lucky enough to get it answered on air. We are live in Times Square in New York City. Don't go anywhere. More options action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Last week, Dan gave a trade into Apple on, into earnings. We started this year off January 2nd with this negative pre-announcement from Apple. We have not seen a, an announcement like that in more than 10 years. The stock has literally gone up 45% and nearly a perfect 45 degree angle since that. It's up 30% on the year. You could sell the May 212.50 call at $2.15 and you could use the proceeds to buy the May 192.50 put paying $2.15. That stock up around 4% since the time of the call. So, Dan, what do you do? So, really interesting. So, that was a collar trade, selling a call and buying a put versus long stocks. It was a hedge trade into a potentially volatile event. The implied move in the option market was about 4.5%, 5%. It actually moved right up to that point. So, if you sold the May 212.5 call at 2.15 with a stock just below 2.12.5 right now, a week later, it's basically up like 20 cents or something like that. Here's the most important part. That put that you bought with the proceeds of the call has lost most of its value here. So the stock is up seven. You've lost $2 on the hedge. You have to make a decision with your long stock position whether you want to keep that position intact. If the stock is above 212.5 in two weeks on May expiration, your long stock would be called away. So at this point, it is a market call. If you want to keep the stock long, you're going to have to cover that call at some point, and you're going to have to make a decision when to do that to avoid your stock being called away. The thing about Apple is obviously it 
it popped on its earnings, and it would appear to be up from that point. But remember, it had plunged going into the earnings. So it was at 209 the prior week, and here it is at 210. To go up a dollar with that kind of news is not impressive. I would say it's sort of a a dull duck here. And uh, one month ago, Mike predicted that Lyft could be headed for a breakdown. Right now, the options market is implying the forward price for Lyft which was about $75 when I was looking at this today, is actually closer to about 68 and a half down in October. So you look at this range, that's a little bit of upside. It's kind of a lot of downside. The October 77 and a half calls were trading for about seven bucks. The 60 puts in October were also trading for about seven bucks. So if you sell those for seven and buy those for seven, net net you're not laying out any premium. Lyft is now down about 13% since the IPO, and the company is set to report earnings next week. So, Mike, what do you do? Yeah, so, you know, the reason we set this trade up is this was a better way to take a long position in the stock because the options market was definitely implying it's going to go lower. There was a really high short interest in it. If you put this trade on and you were short that put, you ended up buying the stock at 60. It closed at 62 and a half. Now it's implying a very big move into earnings. If you're expecting it to gap higher, I'm not really. I think one of the things you want to do is continue to try to keep your cost basis in those shares low. You can sell the June 65 calls for four bucks, maybe a little bit more. You already own it at 60. Now your effective purchase price is going to be down around the 56 buck. I think the idea here is to keep lowering your cost basis in these shares if you can. Yeah, really interesting though. So the stock closed at 62 and a half today. The implied move between now and next Friday, which includes obviously that earnings event, is about $7 in either direction. That seems pretty rich. I'll just make the point. High short interest is still there. Uber's coming next week. This is a really important week for this stock. For Uber and for Lyft, I think with that high short interest and what's likely to be good news, that Lyft probably rallies out of it. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Ryan asks, when would be the best time to use a butterfly strategy? Professor Ko. Usually this is something you want to do going into a catalyst when options premiums are elevated. You're trying to thread the needle because you want it to run to that short strike. So you want to keep those things relatively short dated and you're looking for situations where options might be looking a little rich. All right, time now for the final call. Carter. On the sell-off in crew from 66 to 61, USO playing long. Mike. I think you keep it simple in USO. It's kind of a pick em trade here. I would just buy calls. Dan. Yeah, I think the lift sets up really interesting, though, for potential short squeeze. And I also think that Disney probably consolidates, but you want to play for a breakout later in the year. That does it for us. See you back here next Friday at 530 for more Options Action. Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.